back to another episode of Shamelessly Unapologetic with me, your host, Alana Pinsky. So we are back with a guest episode, and I'm excited to have Jocelyn Clarkson on the show for this week. So Jocelyn has her own fashion company called Swap and Strut, and we had a really great conversation talking all things fashion, what it was like to start a fashion brand, how Jocelyn was able to quit her nine to five and never look back and completely say goodbye to corporate America. I really enjoyed this conversation with her because as someone who absolutely hates working nine to five jobs and one day hopes to eventually escape that for good, I was really inspired by everything that she had to say. There was just a lot of things that I really took away that I think a lot of you guys who are interested in maybe starting your own business and you want to quit your 9 to 5, I think you're going to find a lot of what she has to say to be very valuable. So I'm going to stop chatting. Let's just get into this episode because it truly is a good one and she had so much great information to share. Jocelyn. Hello. How are you doing? Welcome to Shamelessly Unapologetic. I am doing fabulous. It is a Friday. I am feeling great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much. I know. Happy Friday to you too. I'm very excited. It's Friday. It's funny. I am currently not in my regular place. I'm at my parents' house. So if you see like this really childish looking bedroom, <laughs> this is my childhood bedroom. <laughs> yes. I love how you have prom in the background. <laughs> oh my God. That was how my ex-boyfriend asked me to prom my senior year of high school. <laughs> A for <I> effort. <laughs> right? No, it was really cute. I remember I went roller skating with some of some of the people that I ride with. I, I ride horses. And so we did like a roller skating night. And so when I came back, I looked at my room and there's just this huge sign that says prom in my room. And I like start laughing. And I was like, dad, was my ex here? Or was my boyfriend here? And he was like, yes, he really was here. And I was like, okay. So apparently he had plan this with my little sister to make that so cute so cute (laughs) yeah I know I know I know people listening probably can't see it but if you see it maybe on the video on on Instagram you may be able to see it so anyway (laughs) I am so excited to talk all things about like entrepreneur with you you know quitting your nine to five because this is a topic that I've always wanted to talk about on my podcast especially with a guest Before we get into all that, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about yourself. Absolutely. So just like a quick bio about me because I can go on and on. Um, (laughs) I started my career in finance and after eight years into my professional career, I just realized that I just wasn't fulfilling my calling. So I've always loved fashion, but I never really thought that it was a lucrative career And just after being burnt out, uh, being in a low point mentally, COVID, all of these things combined, I decided to finally quit my job and then go full-time on my women's clothing brand. It's been a wild journey since. That was now three years ago. And, you know, I'm learning every day. And now I also coach women into starting their own fashion brands, whether that's a clothing line or a fashion boutique. But yeah, no, it's been a journey. And I never imagined where I would be today, it's almost better than I imagined. 
But the whole journey, even though I did switch over from corporate, I would say I did learn a lot. So uh, that's a little spiel about me. Yeah. How long has it been since you quit your job? Almost three years now. Yeah. How much, almost like a, a year? Almost three, year, uh, three years. Almost oh, three, three years. years now. Yeah. Three years. Well, yeah, no, that's still fairly recent-ish. It's not like, it's not new, but it's not old in a way. I mean, I am so jealous. I am like starting to reach my breaking point of wanting to leave corporate America forever. And I say this because so I'm in the, my industry is technical recruiting. So I'm a full-time recruiter usually with the layoffs going on within the tech space. Cause that's typically where I recruit. I mean, I used to work at Amazon, got laid off back in January. I don't know if you heard about all of the layoffs that they did. And then oh, just yeah. two days ago, they did more layoffs where they laid off around like 9,000 people. And so with recruiting, it can be very unstable because they're always the first ones to go with company layoffs. And so our job's important, but when companies are doing like hiring freezes, we don't have work to do. And then they're like, oh, we don't need our recruiters anymore. Bye. See ya. Right. And yeah. now the market is so terrible. Like I'm competing with all of the recruiters who have been laid off over the past year. And it's a lot of us. And there's not that many recruiting jobs. So the competition's so ugly. And it's a game that I hate playing, especially like with their, with recruiters being more experienced than me. Like I have four years, but there could be people who have like five to eight years. So they're going to have more experience than me. And I just don't stand a chance. So it's like, it's a game that I really don't want to play. And I yeah. have to. So it's like, if I could do anything to never work corporate America a day in my life, I would like, trust me, that is my end goal. Like I would love to be a full-time <laughs> content creator. Like, I mean, I've been focusing a lot on my YouTube channel, my podcast and everything else that I have going on. But you know, for me, it's still not financially sustainable at the moment, but my goal is to get there, right? So that's kind of like Absolutely. my end goal, but it's like, I want to say that hopefully recruiting can be the side piece and then the content creator is the real job. So that's like how I can relate to all of that of wanting to escape the nine to five life. Oh, girl, yeah. I'm so over it. Yeah. And I think, you know, right when there's that unexpected period, like for example, the layoffs, obviously with COVID, when there is like a market crash or just anything that really sh shakes people up, I find that good or bad, there's always opportunity and it always forces people out of their situation and it forces them to kind of look for other things or to finally go after that one thing that they've been thinking about wanting to explore, especially when it comes to businesses. So you know, even though in some cases, you know, a lot of people lost their jobs during COVID, a lot of people that gave people the opportunity to finally explore a lot of their, their, their skills, their talents and to build businesses of that. So I always like to see them as like bless, blessings in disguise. But you know, as someone who's looking to, to quit, just know that, you know, it's temporary, temporary, and you definitely, definitely can and will do it. Yeah, thank you so much. And I like that you mentioned that it's a temporary feeling because or a situation because it, it really is like I know I'm not going to be unemployed for the rest of my life and what's nice is that I still have a part-time job so that does help otherwise I'd be like really screwed being like oh my god how am I gonna pay my rent but I know there's other options out there and recruiters now are being told to pivot their field of work and it's like well I shouldn't have to do that but I probably should because just given with how unstable everything is it's like, maybe I should do this. So part of me is like sort of wanting to take this as a sign that I should leave corporate America. 
But I'm so jealous you found an easy way to go after that. And I'm I'm excited to dive more into your story and diving a little bit deeper into like your transition from finance to being your own boss. Um, But before we get into that, there's one question that I do like to ask every single guest that comes on my show. And that is, what would you say is the biggest thing that you are mostly unapologetic about? Going after my dreams. I love that. Explain more. Yeah, going after what I want and not following society's expectation of of just like women, women in my generation of going to work, working a nine to five, getting married, having babies, moving to the suburbs, like all of that. It doesn't apply to me. I mean, like not not everything, right? So I am married, but you know, I'm living life on my own terms. I'm making money on my own terms. I set my own schedule. I am truly, truly, in a sense, free and in control of my life. You know, being on both sides, like having been in corporate, like I mentioned, and also having, you know, now in this entrepreneurial space, it's like, I cannot imagine a world where I would want to go back to that, you know? So one thing I'm unapologetic for is being a risk taker and going after the things that I actually want to do in life. I really love that answer. That's probably um, a new response that I've gotten from one of my guests is just, I am so unapologetic about going after what I want. And that's just so on brand for both of us, I'd say. And I love that, you know, you you as a woman are not afraid to go against societal norms and say like, I'm not going to do this. That's expected of me, but fuck that. I'm not going to do that because I agree. Like we as a society have progressed and we have changed over time. And people who have caught on are able to adapt and realize like, wait, that's not what I want. And the people who can't wrap their mind around that, they don't know how to adapt. And they think that, you know, women who don't want kids is like this horrible, selfish thing when it's like, have you like seen what the world is like right now? I think it's more (laughs) selfish to have kids, if anything, and moving to the suburbs. That's enough. That's one thing that I can agree with you on. I absolutely would never want to move to the suburbs, even if I had kids. Like I'm a city girl through and through. Like I live in Portland. I live in a very city part of Portland. And I used to live in San Francisco for four years. So it's like, City girl through and through, West, girl, West Coast girly through and through. I mean, I grew up on the East Coast, but, you know, I will always be saying West Coast, best Coast, city parts <laughs> through and through. Yeah, no, I, I live in Chicago, born and raised, and I actually lived by um, Wrigley Field Stadium, which is, which is right where the Cubs play. So there's yeah. always a lot of buzz around. So I feel the same way. You know, it's like it, it's it's I'm living a life that fits my lifestyle and not one that fits anyone else's. And so, you know, why would you do anything else, right? We only have one life to live. Yeah. Chicago, what a great place to grow up. I mean, see, hey, at least you grew up in a cool place. (laughs) I, so I was born and raised in Richmond, Virginia, which is where I'm located right now. I mean, I'm in a suburb of uh, Richmond. It's called Henrico, which is where my parents live. And yeah, so they've had the same house since they moved and like yeah this is my childhood home my childhood bedroom that I'm sitting in right now and I hate coming back home so I mean I'm so jealous that you at least grew up in a really cool city no <laughs> well, it has this, it's ha- it has its ups and downs <laughs> yeah I will say at least the weather there's probably a big down Unless yeah you love the cold no no absolutely not <laughs> 
<laughs> well, fair enough. Fair enough. So I wanted to go back to you realizing that like, you know, the nine to five life wasn't for you and you were experiencing a lot of burnout. So I guess we can start off with this question, but I'm curious to know, like what inspired you to want to pursue a fashion design, like to pursue fashion design as a career? And how did you make that transition from finance to fashion? Yeah. So I would say fashion has always been something that I've been attracted to, even without really knowing it since I was young, I would watch every episode of America's Next Top Model back in the day with Tyra Banks. I would religiously (laughs) watch it, whatever it was, every Tuesday, every Thursday, and watch the entire show. And I don't know what it was about it that attracted me to it. Like, of course, it was like the whole models. It was them, you know, all these clothes doing the, the runway shows. And like, that was exciting to me. And then overall, like in high school, in college, you know, I was starting to go to those like EDM festivals and I was like making my own flower crowns and making my own outfits and like putting cute stuff on my like on my like outfit. And then even during college, I would make my own costumes. I was um, Eve one year and I like put leaves all over my costume and just like, I don't know, I just always loved fashion. And then I was that girl or I am that girl in your friend group that you text to say, hey, which one looks better, A or B? And you send me your pictures like I am that girl. And I have always like I love shopping. I love clothes like there's nothing more than I look forward to than like when I was working my nine to five. It was getting to go out on the weekends and also planning a cute outfit. And while I was you know, living that corporate life, I remember just like going to the store, buying dresses, and then just being like, God, this dress would be amazing if only you didn't have these ugly, poofy sleeves, or this skirt would be awesome if it was made in this tweed fabric, or this would be like, I just found myself envisioning how to like improve on the clothes or envisioning my own ideas and just like wishing they were out there, but Mm -hmm. they weren't. And so, you know, it was something very such a contrast between what I was doing at work. It was finance. I mean, there's literally no creativity. It's very like math and science, debits and credits. Like there's nothing beyond that. So I would say the transition was a choppy one. It wasn't easy. I didn't have a background in fashion design. I didn't have any experience. I mean, I could barely sew. And it was was something that I, I struggled with in the beginning. But what I did have was business acumen, which I had developed, you know, in my career. And then I also had style. So I'm like, you can't teach someone style. So you either have it or you don't. And so, you know, I was literally led by my own passion or fashion. And I taught myself fashion design. I use the opportunity of COVID, of working from home, of staying home, of having nothing to do to go on Google, to take courses, to search for people, to reach out to people. And I really use that time to teach myself fashion design. But I would say that like, obviously styling a piece like an outfit is very different from creating an outfit. And oh my goodness, there is so much into so much that goes into actually creating clothes that you want to sell. Like it's one thing to make a dress at home. It's another thing to make a dress in different sizes that's the exact same across the board with a brand behind it like it's it's all insane but uh, I will say that I 
am a lot more fulfilled, like having explored that. And, you know, when I was working in finance, I just did not feel fulfilled or excited at all. Yeah. And finance is such a very like serious industry, because I know you mentioned that there's just no creativity that comes with it. And I'm sure like, when it came to what you had to wear to work, you probably had to wear something a little bit more formal that maybe like, maybe I'm wrong here, but maybe it made you feel more constricted and like who you are and you absolutely yeah and you weren't able to like you know dress (laughs) how you would want to properly express yourself and yeah yeah I I would don't blame you for wanting to leave that when you kind of feel like you're you're not being yourself so it sounds like this was kind of all inspired during the pandemic which is a really great time to really make a career pivot because that happened to a lot of people actually where they wanted to start becoming a business owner and like layoffs were very prevalent back then. And so people needed to find something to do. Everyone was stuck at home. So it's great that you were able to like make this something that was going to keep yourself occupied and entertain yourself, but also still it be work. So I'm curious to know, like what were those steps that you had to do? Cause I know you mentioned one challenge was creating the same piece in different sizes. So how did you do that exactly? Like what was the step-by-step process to start getting this um, or start bringing this to light so it could be successful? Cause I'm really curious to yeah. learn more. Well, it's, it was interesting because I like going into this, I didn't even understand the process of what it meant to m- make a garment. I thought you bought fabric at Joann's, you take your sewing <laughs> machine, you cut it somehow and you sew it and you wear it. And I thought that's it. That, that's what I got to do. <laughs> oh my goodness. I found out real quick that you can't just get up and sew something. I mean, you can, but you can't sell it and it probably won't fit right. So what I found was like, I had my sewing machine. I went to Joann's. I tried to make this cute white halter top and it came out horrible. Oh my goodness. I was like, there's no way that I'm able going to be able to make a brand out of this. Like, look at my sewing. It's horrible. No one's going to pay for this. And at that point, I realized that being able to sew, like being able to construct a garment, it takes skill and it takes like talent and skills that you develop over the course of years, right? I can't just, I mean, yes, I can learn how to sew, but it's going to take me at least a solid two, three years before I can actually get to the point where I am, you know, carefully sewing and crafting pieces at high quality. And so at that point, I realized, well, I can't do this myself. I have to outsource the things that I'm not good at. And that's exactly what I did. You know, to this day, the one thing that I can do is I can envision and I can somewhat draw you a picture of what I'm envisioning. Mm-hmm. That's it. And I've created over 60 designs without knowing how to sew, without knowing how to make patterns, without knowing how to do any of that stuff. And what I've realized is that what you don't know, like not knowing something is not an excuse for not going after it, right? Not having experience, not having the education. That's not an excuse. You educate yourself on the process. I mean, this applies to anything. Educate yourself on the process and then find people that that you can delegate that too and pay them to do the work for you, people who have the skills. And so what I realized is that I had to work with a pattern maker, which was the first step. And so I found a pattern maker that worked with new fashion designers. So she did a lot of educating and she walked me through the entire process. I drew her these horrible drawings, but 
you know, she understood the message that I was trying to get across. She yeah. was guiding me in terms of like, okay, well, you can't actually do this trim here. You can't do that cut because then it's going to fit weird here. So it was just like trial and error. And I started slow. And so, you know, I first started off with a pair of leggings, went through that process and kind of like understood what that was like, then moved on to a dress. But really it's, it's about taking a drawing then having a pattern maker take that drawing and create like a blueprint of it and then cutting fabric according to that blueprint, sewing up a sample using like muslin, trying it on until it fits right, making adjustments that's needed. Once you have that sample finish, you create a blueprint of that sample and then you go into production. And so, I mean, there's more to it, but that's sure. kind of like the gist of it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's cool because at least like, you're still designing it. You just did like the sketches of it. And I feel like that's kind of what a true fashion designer is. They actually design the clothes, even if they don't like actually physically create the clothes. I think fashion design really comes down from the idea and what your vision is and how you want it to be executed. And I think that's a really good realization for you. And then you ended up working with a pattern maker and then eventually you went into production. But yeah. I think that's really awesome. And I'm sure like that was a really great way to express your creativity. And I do agree sewing and just making clothes from scratch is very hard. I remember in high <laughs> school, I actually took this creative fashion class my freshman year as an elective because I was really excited about wanting to design clothes. That sounded really fun. And it was a very fun class. But so when it came to actually designing, like physically designing your own clothes, I made a skirt like I had to buy like a skirt template from like Walmart by the fabrics yeah. and all that stuff. <laughs> and I learned how to use a sewing machine. I can tell you now that I don't remember how to use it anymore. But at that oh, time, yeah. I didn't. It was so hard. And that was also going to be part of like my final project. And it wasn't going to be done in time. And so basically, my teacher ended up finishing the skirt for me, which I felt really bad about. And of course, I got a bad grade because I didn't do half the work. <laughs> it's cute at the time. Now I think the skirt's absolutely ugly. I don't even know where it is anymore. It may still be in this house. I don't even know. But it was like a double layered like white skirt with like blue flowers. It's like just so, it was so yeah. ugly. It was so ugly, but that's what I thought was cute at the time. Same. And I did wear it a couple of times. Like it did fit because it was like an elastic stretchy band, so it would conform to my body. But yeah, no, I mean, I can't blame my teacher for giving me a bad grade on it just because, to be fair, like she basically did a good chunk of it for me because I was just so incompetent with using a sewing machine. It's yeah. hard. You know, I, I like to think of it as like, Think of it like an architect. An architect designs a house, but he, the architect, he or she doesn't actually build it. Yeah. So it's, it's the same kind of thing. It's like yeah. you design it, and if you want, you can make it. But I, I guess if you want to get to a point where you're scaling your business, you can't be involved in every step of the process because then you cap yourself and you burn yourself out. And so I just knew I wanted to visualize and design, and that's it. <laughs> like, and sell, and that's it. I don't want to do the sewing. That's just not my my zone of genius and it's not a way for me to express myself creatively for me it's like the design piece of it so it's one of those things where you know as a business coach as well like a lot of people are hesitant about going um and starting a new business and trying something new because they're like I don't have the experience or I don't have the skill and you know it's one of those things that people think they need to know everything to do something and I'm like you you don't you literally don't you can take a class a course 
delegate where needed, right? And you focus on your your talents and your zone of genius. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that analogy because you're right. It's like the exact same concept that we were just talking about. An architect designs the architecture, but they don't actually like physically build it. Yeah. So you mentioned now that you have your own clothing brand. I I believe it's called Swap and Strut, correct? Yes. Awesome. Can you tell us a little bit more about, so after you got the clothes produced, tell us a little bit more about starting and growing the brand and what were some other like big challenges you faced along the way and how did you overcome that? Yeah, well, the biggest challenge was that initially, my idea was to start a clothing rental company. So I I used to be a customer of Rent the Runway. I loved it. It's a clothing rental service. And I, I loved it, but I saw a lot of gaps and flaws with the service. And so I thought, well, why don't I fix that, create a similar model without those gaps with clothes that are designed by me and made by women. And so that's where I started. But then quickly realized, I, so I launched during COVID. And my intention was not to launch during COVID. It, it was like COVID happened, you know, like I had a plan to launch and COVID like inconveniently happened. <laughs> so, right. so when I launched, it was a clothing rental company. I still gave women the option to buy or rent, but it was supposed to be a rental model. And the first biggest challenge that I had was COVID happens and then no one is renting because there are no events to go to. And I was designing yeah. for for clothes that you'd wear on a night out with your girlfriend's date night, kind of like nightwear, not, not sleeping wear, but like going out, like dresses, cocktail dresses, skirts. And so people weren't going to these events. There was nothing going on. So people weren't renting. They simply just weren't. And they, I had some customers that were actually buying instead of renting because they're like, I really like this piece. I want to be able to wear, I can't wear it right now because I have nowhere to go, but I'm going to buy it because I know I'm going to wear it eventually when this COVID things blows over. (laughs) That was the first challenge. And so I realized I was like, wow, 95% of my sales are coming from straight up people buying them. So that's when I made a decision to change my entire business model to just selling. So I had to change the system that I had on the back end because the system was designed for rentals and it was like this check-in, check-out thing process. And I had to change all my marketing, my website. And then I was stuck with a name that really spoke to the rental model swap, meaning as in like you swap clothes and then you strut down the street. Yeah. So then I was stuck with this name that no longer applied, you know, so that was the first challenge was quickly realizing like having to pivot in the middle or like the beginning of, of a pandemic and not really knowing where it's going. But I think the one thing that I that it taught me from from that experience is that you you can't be afraid to pivot don't be afraid to pivot. Don't be afraid to take a step back. Look at the numbers. Look at what your customers want and make a decision based on that. So that was basically, that was the first challenge. And this was like the first few months in business. But, you know, the, the brand has naturally evolved and now it's more straight selling. You know, the rental business is something that I might consider. But for now, you know, I really love the the model that I have. But yeah, it was like launching and the approach that I took to really take my brand forward was I was online, but I knew that I had to do more than just 
upload my products and wait for people to come by because I'm yeah. a new brand. I'm also premium, higher priced. So there's going to be a lot of hesitation, a lot of resistance. People want to know the brand. They want to feel and touch the fabrics. And so I knew that I had to do more than just like sit and wait, right? And so I was pushing, posting on social media and had the website. And then I decided to do, to do pop-ups, host pop-ups. And so I launched with like a pop-up. I had in-person events. I invited my friends who invited their friends. It has started to grow. And it was through the strategy of hosting pop-ups that I was able to build an organic audience, that I was able to establish myself in the community, that I was able to get feedback from clients, that I was able to actually make sales and, and just like, and just get feedback on the clothes. And so come the next collection, I was able to implement that feedback. But overall, the approach that I took, even though I was an online company, was very much in person, which was tricky during COVID. So at first, it started off with like small little trunk shows at a friend's house, but a few girlfriends. And then once we were able to host bigger events, then I was there throwing events, styling events, shopping, like private shopping sessions, pop-up shops with other boutiques you name it, I was doing it. So that was really my approach and how I like took it from that product to how I brought it to market. That's a really smart marketing strategy. I mean, I love that you did pop up shops because yeah, you mentioned how people wouldn't be able to like physically touch the clothes, try them on to make sure it fits. And I think that's a really smart way of doing it. I mean, I, you know, obviously, I don't know enough about like the fashion business and how small like fashion businesses get started and that they're even doing pop-up shops. And maybe I just don't follow enough like small fashion brands on social media. So I like don't know how common it is for pop-up shops to happen. But I do think that is a really smart um, marketing strategy. Was it mostly done around in Chicago or did you go to other cities too to um like spread it even further? Yeah, no, it it's it was all in Chicago. You know, I I truly believe in starting small, like start with your community and naturally if your business does well, then you can see to other cities and expand. But for me, you know, it just I I'm a big believer of don't complicate your business model, don't complicate your life. And for me to try to tap into a different market, into a different city, it would just require just a lot more work and I'm like, you know, I'm not trying to complicate my life. I'm going to start my hometown. It's a big city. So I'm going to take it from there. So, you know, I started locally and, um, you know, I think naturally if the brand takes, you know, you know, like, uh, it expands into different cities. Like I want it to do so organically. I'm not necessarily like interested in like opening up brick and mortars in different locations throughout the U S like I do want to stay online. And so, you know, just staying true to my city, just starting locally and, aiming for organic growth is is my strategy. Yeah, no, I I really like that a lot. And I'm glad that's worked so well for you. And you found something that you knew was going to be smart for you. So um, I know you mentioned you had started off with like nightwear, like going out clothes. Is that what um kind of clothes you're still selling? Like what's the style of clothes that you're selling now? Like has have the clothes evolved over time? Or has that concept still kind of stayed the same? Yeah, they've evolved. I mean, the concept has stayed the same. I am creating clothes that I want. When you walk into a room, people are going to look and say, Oh, my God, I love that statement piece. And girls are going to ask you, Oh, my God, where did you get that? I'm creating like statement pieces that are very much like when you walk in a room, people will look at you and they will ask you where you got it from. The one thing that has evolved in regards to my design is that 
every collection gets a little bit more cohesive. When I started, I had so many ideas and I didn't really have a cohesive collection. It was like, I had a sexy lime skirt here. Then I had a gold dress over here. And then it was like a cute pink bomber jacket. And, you know, it was kind of all over the place because I was kind of just like pumping ideas, pumping ideas. And I think as I've gotten like efficient in my business, I've, you know, recognized that there are certain ways that you can maximize margins, but also make your life easier. And like, you don't have to use different fabric for every piece, you can actually have the same fabric across different pieces to actually make it much more cohesive and to make it leaner and to make it much more efficient and cost effective for you. But then for also for the client to be able to mix and match your pieces. And so I would say overall, the style has remained the same, but the idea behind each collection has gotten a little bit more refined and a lot more cohesive. And then I have a question that I meant to ask you earlier, but how would you define your own personal style? How do you usually make your own outfits? Okay, so... I actually, there's a joke around my friends and I don't know if I should be saying this, but my personal style (laughs) is slutty fancy. I love it. I love it. Um, you know, our friends are always like, how do I dress? I'm like, slutty fancy, slutty fancy. And I, I don't mean slutty in like, you know, what I mean slutty is like, I, I'm, I love to wear things that, that you know, showcase my assets, right? Like I love wearing like cute crop tops. I love a good mini skirt. You know, I'm shorter. I'm five two. So like mini skirts look great on me. You know, it's all about like feeling comfortable in your body. And I wear what I feel comfortable in. A lot of people think that, you know, oh, I would never wear that. And I'm like, that's totally fine, but I do. And so I like this balance of like sexy and classy. Um, which is why I say like slutty fancy, (laughs) but it's kind of like a joke. You know, I like to dress nice, but I also like to have a hint of sexy. Like I love wearing like a lacy kind of sheer top, but like a big structured blazer over it, you know? So it's kind of like that balance between the two. So I would say that's my, that's my style. Uh, Sexy, classy or slutty fancy, (laughs) however you want to call it. I love this so much. I think our styles are a little bit similar. So before I like re-transitioned into my personal style, because now I feel like I'm I'm a lot more edgy. I'm, I don't look like it right now because I'm wearing like indoor comfy clothes at the moment. I'm wearing sweats and a gray tank top. But I have recently just gotten a lot edgier with my uh, clothes. I mean, growing up, I used to be a big emo girl. I didn't dress emo, but I was internally emo, but I did have some like emo pieces here and there. Like I had a studded belt. I had some chains on my pants. Like the good old studded belt. (laughs) Yes. And I I have another one right now. Um, And so I had bands, like I had some like small pieces and I listened to all the emo music. And then as I got older, when I was in college, I used to dress really preppy. I was in a sorority and that just was not me. I was like conforming to a standard trying to fit in. And clearly like we all know how that goes, right? You realize like, oh crap, this is not me. I feel unhappy. I don't, I didn't feel sexy dressing preppy. I felt frumpy and just, it was a little too feminine for me. And while I, obviously I do care about my femininity to some aspect, but at the same time, it was just not me. And then I, when I moved to San Francisco, I definitely wanted to feel sexier. 
I'm a little bit edgier, but I think I focused a lot on like the sexy piece where I was like, I want to show a little bit more skin or I want to show pieces that are ha- or rare pieces that show off my assets, like my butt or my boobs a little bit more because I was all about like the tighter fitting stuff. And then I like went through some weight changes where I gained some weight. So I had to buy new clothes and a bigger size. And now I'm like losing a little bit of weight again due to a recent gastroparesis diagnosis. And so that's when I realized, okay, this is how I have to readjust. Um, I can still be sexy and edgy, but I definitely want to focus on like making sure that there's still some edgy element to my outfit because I need consistency because if I don't have any consistency, in some part of my life, I feel useless. Yeah, no, it's definitely agree. I think definitely, I think people undervalue the power of fashion, the power of a good outfit. I truly think that clothes deliver a feeling and how you feel affects how you show up in the world, right? And so for you, it's like consistency and that is a good feeling that, you know, grounds you and that that is important and that just goes to show the power of fashion. And so like fashion is not just like cute little dresses. There's a more to it. It's like emotion. It's feeling. It's art. Yeah. So I, I totally get where you're coming from. Yeah, absolutely. It, it really is art. It's a way that you express yourself. It's more than just like, yeah, the cute little dress. Some people don't even like wearing dresses. It's not even a part of their wardrobe anymore because maybe that's just not for them. I still love right. a good dress. You know, I try to at least make it work with my uh, new personal style. I mean, obviously, I wear a lot of black. So a lot of my Same. dresses are probably be black. The dress that I'm wearing to my friend's wedding tomorrow, which is why I'm in town in the in the first place, is it's black. And it's got a bit of like that um, open like midsection part, if you know what I'm talking about. And I'm wearing hot yeah. pink heels. And it's like that is a good element of sexy but still edgy and I'm very excited yeah, it absolutely might be, it might be slightly inappropriate for a wedding but my friend knows me so I don't think she's gonna care too much you know I, 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 I always say all eyes will be on the bride and as long as you don't wear white you're good exactly it's <laughs> definitely not white and trust me nobody's gonna be caring about what I wear because exactly they're gonna be focusing on my friend and her husband that's where the eyes are gonna be so that's why I feel like it's just a lot easier for me to get away with <laughs> absolutely totally agree Earlier, you mentioned you had started a coaching business um, for people who potentially want to start their own fashion business. So can you tell me a little bit more about how you got that started and how you've been able to manage both your own brand and this coaching business now? Like, And that sounds like a lot of work. So I'm curious to hear a little bit more about how you're prioritizing and managing your time with both of those. Yeah, I mean, I would say that the coaching business really came organically. It was something that I never planned on. (laughs) Like it just so I as I started my brand, you know, I post on social media, um, I was featured on the news, I was on the news, like the Chicago newspaper. And like, so people I started getting attention. And so people started asking questions. Um, People I went to high school with that I haven't spoken to in years, started messaging me and just saying like, Hey, it's been so cool seeing your journey. Like you're inspiring or that ask, how did you do it? Like, how were you able to quit your job? I need advice. I also feel miserable in my job. And then it was also like a combination of, well, how did you actually start your clothing business? I've always wanted to start a clothing brand. Can you give me some guidance? And I'm all about supporting women. Like I want to see women thrive on their own terms. And like my mission with anything and everything that I do 
is to empower women to follow their dreams of starting a business, making mm-hmm. money on their own terms. So to me, this was like awesome. Like I love doing this. This is like, this is what fulfills me. And I found myself at coffee shops, meeting up with girls I've never met before who'd message me on Instagram who are like, Hey, are you up for meeting for coffee? I want to ask you how you did it. And then like just giving advice on people emailing, messaging me and just like on social media. And then I found that like people are willing to pay for this. And I also found that this is something that I really, really, really enjoyed. And it was a way for me to really accomplish my mission and be at the forefront of my mission. So here I am like literally helping women start their businesses, you know? So it was like double whammy. And so the coaching, I was like, let me give this coaching a try. And so I I ran like a, a coaching kind of study, I suppose. Like I was like, I'm going to give this a shot and see if this is something that works. And so you know, I, I took on a, a group coaching session and we were on for about six weeks and I gave it a try and I had all these women who wanted to start businesses and I loved it. I loved it. They were able to get a lot out of it. They were able to get motivated. They had results. And I was like, I really enjoy this. This really lights me up. And so I decided to keep going with it. And I think that the coaching came at a perfect time because All my clothes from my clothing brand, Swap and Strut, not anymore, but they were made by women in Chicago. All of them. All of them are are paid a fair wage. The thing with making things in the US, and now I understand why so many, so many fashion brands go abroad is because it is so expensive to ethically make clothes here in the USA. Like it's expensive. It's almost like impossible to make a dress that's under a thousand dollars if you make it in the US and have it be sustainable and actually also making a healthy profit. So I felt that I was in a position where it was like, do you want to run a nonprofit and like support women and pay them a fair wage? Or do you want to run a business with a healthy margin? I kind of felt like I had to choose. And so I decided to look overseas and my family's Guatemala. And so I decided to go to Guatemala. They are manufacturers there. They are known for creating clothes. And so I flew out there and I met with a couple manufacturers and I, I met one that I really liked. And so with 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 anything, right, I was changing the entire operation of the clothes. I reached a point where I had to scale and I couldn't because the thing with making things locally is that it's small batches. There's only so many people. I wasn't working at a huge sweatshops where you've got hundreds of people lined up kind of like an assembly line. So things take time. And I realized that if I wanted to scale with a healthy margin, there was no way that I would have been able to keep up and be in demand outsourcing here in the US and Chicago. So I had to go to Guatemala. And so I found a manufacturer. And the amazing thing is that in Guatemala, you know, I would still be paying people a fair wage in Guatemala, right? It's all relative, but it would drastically cut my costs. But you know, as with everything, there is a big shift that needs to happen. I wanted to make sure that this manufacturer knows what they're doing, that they provide good quality. So I flew out there, they've created a lot of prototypes for me. Um, I've been like, examining them. And so we're still in a transition phase where Now I'm switching over my operations to Guatemala, which is like no easy task. It's not like flipping a switch. So it does take time and it does take, you know, effort to build that relationship with the manufacturer. So I would say that the coaching came at a perfect time because now I had some downtime. I was like researching manufacturers. 
So it was perfect because I had this downtime and I was able to explore this new venture. And in some ways, I feel like even now, I, I still, I now prefer this, the coaching aspect of things as opposed to the fashion. Like I love fashion. I will always love fashion, but I, I feel a lot more fulfilled and I feel like I'm closer to my calling when I when I am helping women directly start their businesses and go after their dreams. So in a nutshell. <laughs> That's really awesome. I'm glad you were able to find that balance. And it just sort of like was luck. It like you looked out basically where you had that downtime to focus on that. Cause knowing me, I would have gotten so overwhelmed and burned out. So I'm so glad you found that balance at like the perfect time. Um, I had a quick question. Like, like, what are the elements that you focus on for your clients who are going through that program? Yeah. So I, I say the biggest thing that I focus on and the first thing that I focus on on my brands, I mean, the, the coaching program is to have women start and build their fashion brands. And these are for women that have no fashion experience, that have no business experience, that have this passion, but don't know where to start. And I would say that the hardest thing or the most common thing and what I see a lot of other coaches don't address is mindset. So I really focus on mindset because I truly believe that entrepreneurship is 80% mindset. If you're not in the the right mindset, you're not going to execute the certain things that you need to execute to bring, to propel your business forward. So I focus a big chunk of the program on mindset, understanding your limiting beliefs, how to move through those limiting beliefs, how to love yourself, how to take care of yourself, because First and foremost, like the way that you treat yourself, the more that you move your body, the better you show up, the better, the better results you get in business. And so that's what I really focus on in the beginning. And then obviously, then we move into the the phase of understanding the brand. I spend a lot of time trying to understand the mission and the purpose behind every client's um, intention behind opening a fashion brand. Because if you're just starting a fashion brand with no substance behind it, it's not going to do well. Like it it just simply isn't. So I make sure that when I work with my clients, like we are building fashion brands that mean something that have a mission behind it, that, that have something to stand on. And once we've defined that, once we define the audience, then we move into more of like the technical, tangible things of like what it means to start a business, putting up the website, social media, email marketing, buying products, pricing, etc. So right now it's like a 13 week program. We meet in a small intimate setting and you're surrounded by other women who are also starting their fashion brands. So I'm really proud of what I built and I'm, you know, I it's amazing to see the women go through transformations and I mean, even recently, I just had a student finish my program. And within three months, she like quit her job, started her clothing design. And like, it's just been amazing to see them transform. So absolutely. Yeah, that's a little bit more about my my uh, boutique bootcamp coaching program. Yeah, well, that's a really awesome success story. And it's it's gotta be so rewarding. So good for you. Like, that sounds like a really cool program. Um, And I love that you focus on so many things that like other people don't talk about like I, I agree mindset is absolutely huge. If you're not in the right state of mind to do anything business related or to do anything where you work for yourself, you're going to combust, you're going to fail, it's not going to work out. So like when you're right. in that mindset, you have to be jazzed up and excited about what you're doing and really discipline yourself. Otherwise, 
you won't be able to get shit done. Right. Absolutely. You have to be passionate because entrepreneurship is not easy. It's, it's in a roller coaster. There are days where you'll make a lot of money. There are days when you won't, you're going to come across huge problems that might seem like it might be the end of your business. And if you are not passionate about what you're doing and the reason why you're doing it, you're going to give up. Absolutely. So I do have one more question and this can kind of piggyback off to what we've been talking about here. Cause I know we're like coming up on time, but what advice would you give to someone who's feeling stuck in their current career and they want to pursue a more creative path? Like how can they take those steps to get started towards that transition? Yeah, I would say simply number one, identify, okay, what is it that I want to do and pick a class. So Google, like what I did, I, I Googled, Googled fashion design classes in Chicago and I found this studio that was teaching fashion design classes for $100 an hour. So I took a one hour class, right? And so I started building upon that. So that class, that fashion designer in that class connected me with another fashion designer, which then that fashion designer connected me with the pattern maker. So it's a domino effect. But here's the thing, you have to take that first step. And that means just taking a class, find a course just to learn more. And I think the misconception that people have, especially like when it comes around quitting your job, is that you have to quit your job and like it has to be all or nothing. And that's not the case. You can keep your job. You can start learning, building that side hustle. Mm -hmm. When I had like what, like you can build that side hustle, make that money, keep it, but like reach a point where until you reach a point where you're like, okay, maybe I can take this full time or maybe I need to pivot because what I'm doing is not working. And so the best advice I could give you, especially if you have a job right now, you are in the best position to start exploring the idea of this business. You have enough money where you're not stressing out about paying for the rent. You have money to finance the business. You have money to pay for courses and classes. And so the the advice that I would, that I would give, try to find a class, try to find a course, educate yourself. And whatever course or or class that you take, try to connect with people within or the instructors and see if there is another resources that another resource that they can point you to. And don't be afraid to start as a side hustle first. And then you don't have to take the leap until you feel comfortable to do so. And so Mm -hmm. I think when I share my story, people are like, oh, my God, I don't know how you quit your job. But it was like I, I started exploring fashion design while I had my job. So I didn't just quit on a whim. Like I had already launched and I had already made sales before I made the decision to quit my job. And so I think coming at it with a more conservative approach in that sense makes people feel more at ease. And so that's what I would tell them. Find a class, find a course and start making connections. That's really great advice. And plus, I also think it's not a very smart idea to just quit your job while you haven't even gotten started because then you've already gotten rid of your main source of income and like people also forget that like growing a business there's going to be cost and money that's going to be involved at some point oh yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. you're like oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) so it's just it's not it's not a very um smart approach started off as a side hustle because that's exactly what you can do because then you'll slowly build that income gradually over time and you'll it'll be a second source of income come and then once it just kind of takes off and explodes and you're like okay I don't need my corporate job anymore fuck this bye yeah. I'm out it's easier said than done but right. you know I did a combo of those things but yeah I mean there's definitely you definitely want to test the waters I mean I would say like the the only time that you should quit a job 
is like when it seriously starts affecting your mental health and yeah. you're like in a really dark place. And I mean, that's the only time where I would say it's not worth it, you know? And But beyond that, I would say, you know, you, it's temporary, right? Like you're in this position, it's temporary. Just know that it's temporary. And knowing that you're working towards something better is going to make your days go by easier and it's going to motivate you to to want to further pursue this this business venture. Absolutely. This has been so eye-opening. I have learned so much. Like this makes me want to start a business, even though I would have no idea what I would want my business to be about. But I just feel so empowered after listening to all of this. It's been so eye-opening. And I hope the people out there listening are also feeling inspired and ready to start their own business, whether it's fashion or something else, that they can use this episode to take away all of this knowledge and to get started. So Jocelyn, where can people find you if they want to follow you on social media or even become one of your clients? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I love seeing other women's journeys. So definitely follow me. You can find me on Instagram. I'm quit your job and get creative. You can also find me on TikTok, quit your job and get creative. Pretty simple. And I also have a podcast called Quit Your Job and Get Creative. So just it. quit your job and get creative across the board. Feel free to follow me on Instagram first. I prefer that platform over any of the others. Definitely give me a follow, send me a message. I'd be happy to provide any insight, any feedback. You know, I'm here to support women who really want to just make money on their own terms, start their businesses and follow their dreams. I love that so much. And I will have all of her handles in the description down below so you can find her. But Jocelyn, it's been such an absolute pleasure having you on. This has been such a great conversation. And I just want to thank you once again for being here today. Thank you so much, Alana. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And guys, if you ever have an um, unapologetic experience that you want to share with me, feel free to email the podcast at shamelesslyunapologeticpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at shamelessly unapologetic and with that i will see you next week with a brand new episode